Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? How's it going? We're back. We're here. We're talking magic. Uh, holy moly, smokes and aroni. That's not a food item. We're, That's we're, not a saying. <laughs> I just made it up. That's weird. Yeah, just came off the top of my head. Uh, so we're here to talk to you guys about modern, about magic, all the things. We're gonna actually, we're going to talk, uh, weirdly today, we're going to talk a lot about standard. Yeah. A- accidentally. Well, but in of. modern. But like standard is going to come up. Yeah, we're going to talk. Everyone get really excited. There's, there's going to be. I'm going to say the word standard. There's like a whole said conversation where yeah, at least three times <laughs> we're excited to have about it. So yeah, the premise of today's episode, guys, is is uh, you know, there's a, several cards that are banned in standard currently uh, that we are wondering sort of if a card is powerful enough to be banned in standard, does that mean that automatically it has a place in modern? This is of course inspired by the fact that Smuggler's Copter has been showing up in modern more and more. Who called that? Um, <laughs> no, definitely not Ben Bateman. And uh, <laughs> you were like, Smuggler Copter's never going to see play in yeah. modern. It dies the lightning bolt. So anyway, that's what today's episode is going to be about. We're also going to be talking about uh, some very exciting news, which I'll, I'll cue to you on right now. Yeah, uh, so the game that we have been talking about for the last at least two years, and technically longer, if you guys came from top decking, you might remember Davros the Drunkening, uh, a game created by one of the characters. So that actually now exists. It's called Super Party Battle. It's like uh, Magic the Gathering if it took place on a college campus ran by demons, and it's currently available right now on thinkgeek.com. Uh, there's a link in the show description for this episode, so check that out. It's also on the Facebook page. We're just going to... I'm going to be sharing it everywhere. Uh, but it's really fun. You, you, you are recruiting different cliques from the campus as different tribes uh, to throw your, the best party. And as you're doing it, you can have them fight other parties to kick ki- kids out of the school. And they all have co- some fun mini games attached. And definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, we'll be like next week, we'll probably do a full episode kind of chrono- chronologically going through like the design process of how the game was made, where it came from, how it's going to come out. We're going to have uh, Michael Grothy on who... Uh, was the head desi- uh, developer on the thing. I was the designer he developed. So, like, if you know the Magic the Gathering process, design happens. Mark Rosewater leads that team. They invent stuff, and then development happens, and a bunch of Magic pros that they've hired try and test it to make it fun so that it doesn't, uh, you know, ruin Magic. And we're actually going to go over that design sat- stuff today when we talk about cards that were banned in standard. But- so, three steps. Check out thinkgeek.com. You can find Super Party Battle there right now. At the end of the episode, we're going to talk for three or four minutes about the game, explain what it is a little bit more. And next week, there'll be a full explanation for at least a fat chunk of the episode talking about the game design and everything. So, that's what you need to know about Super Party Battle. Let's uh, let's rattle through our other things so we can talk about Smuggler's Copter. Yeah. So, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. But most importantly, the podcast is at the MM Cast. Yep. Uh, you can make sure to check out the Facebook group. It currently has 2,079 people. It's excellent. Literally, we hit 2,000 on like Monday, and 79 people have joined since then. So it's crazy. It's growth. growing crazy fast. Uh, Hagen Kirk is the. Uh, our, our official moderator, who's also helping kind of cultivate anything, he actually posts statistics on the the tournament breakdowns from every weekend in modern on the Facebook group. So beyond just getting our content, you get Ben's ten minutes of magic or modern every day as well there, which he'll talk about in a second. You also get that data dump there as well. So if you want to know what's being played right now, it's a great place to go. Plus, great discussion if you have a cool deck idea. It's the best place to kind of get discussion down on it. Um, make sure to check out our Patreon. Uh, it's 
how we pay for new stuff. It's really important. Uh, it's why this show keep exists. The recording equipment we have now exists because the Patreon paid for it. Otherwise, our old recording equipment, if you remember the period earlier this year where it died and we were recording on iPhones for a point, uh, we couldn't exist anymore. So thank you to all our Patreon subscribers. You guys are literally the best. Uh, and last but not least, 10 Minutes of Modern on Anchor. Ben, why don't you break this down a little bit more? You just breezed over the fact that you used the phrase keep exists in the middle of that sentence. I was trying to make fun of you, but you were just like run on sentencing. I'm too, it. Yeah. too quick for you. <laughs> too fast. Okay, get you don't even remember the grammatical mistakes I made before. <laughs> grammatical? Yeah. You're killing it. <laughs> I was hoping you missed that. <laughs> uh, all right. So, guys, here's the deal. And this is a very, very specific and special explanation of 10 Minutes of Modern. So, you guys have heard me talk about this before. It's a station that was started as a non-modern station. It is only now modern content. It's, it's based on all kinds of modern ideas. Alex is on there. We have pros come on there it's posted as these little five minute segments it's like twitter meets podcasting so here's the deal and this is why this is a special and different pitch so guys i have support right now from the app anchor that if the numbers on the station get big enough they're going to help me start giving away modern staples now i've mentioned this before but literally we're so close now we're, we're like, less like, than 100 like, users like the most recent staplers created yeah. <laughs> like go to staples like the high end new stuff. level swing line like stuff. has like, like like you can change if the staple is going to go in or out you, this was a really good pitch, and you just ruined it. Uh, and the deal is, guys, th- there are there are are many many thousands of you that listen to this show. And to get the numbers that I need for to be able to start giving away magic cards, we need like a hundred more of you to download the app. So let's just go ahead and knock this out of the park, so I can start giving stuff away. Because if I let's say I triple the numbers that they're looking for, I might be able to give away triple the number of cards. And so in December, what I'm hoping to do, if we can get there, is to start just. I'm going to like pick random names that are on the app that are listening to the content, and you'll get two things. You'll get daily content about Modern, which is fun. It's this, except every single day. And also, I'm going to just start giving away free Magic cards. It costs you nothing. It's a free app. Anchor.fm. Find it. 10 Minutes of Modern. If you listen to the content through the app, just like even if you click a link on Facebook, but you're logged into the app, it'll count as a play through the app. And I'm telling you guys, it's like around 100 more. So if every one of you listening... Please just do it. Download it, and you'll get free magic cards. It's going to be exciting for all of us. That's what's going on. Ten minutes can of modern. I, can I get free magic cards? Yeah. Oh, now you want to join? The, now you want to download want, the app? I downloaded it. <laughs> You're, I think you are the only channel I subscribe to on Anchor. Solid. Okay. I have my own where I talk about nothing because I don't think I know how. I yeah. don't know. How, I don't know how the app works. You Fair. just call me, and it's great. Yeah. It works perfectly. So anyway, guys, that's the pitch. Ten minutes of modern. Get free magic cards. Listen to content. Uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Let's talk uh, about Smuggler's Copter. Uh. Well. Let's talk about standard <laughs> bannings in general and, and, and why they're important and something to pay attention to. So going through, and obviously there were many standard bannings pre-modern existing. Okay. More specifically in the sense that the line where, you know, pre-8th edition, there were a bunch of cards that were banned in standard. There was Urza's Block. Um, I mean, over the years. Obviously the famous famous largest amount of cards banned other than Mirrodin block? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of different periods of time where you have cards banned out of standard, right? So Stoneforge Mystic and Jace, um, those are... Do you know what the first card ever print banned in standard was? Um, yes, I think I do. I think I do, actually. Magic it, trivia. Ben's it's, favorite thing. It's like a, a it's it's like a kind of irrelevant creature from a long time ago, no. I think. Oh, no? So, so remember that standard didn't exist at first. So originally there was just Magic the Gathering, which is now vintage. And that was every card is legal other than cards that they banned or restricted. Uh, but this was after Standard was created. I thought that it was like Man of War or in something. In 1996. No, what is it? It's it's Zurin Orb, banned in June oh. 1997. Oh, uh, that's right. I think I did know that. Yep. Yeah. 
because it, it was. If broken. you knew that, you would have said it. No, I mean, like I would never have gotten there, but like I think sure. I knew that at one time. So that was the first. You know, standard was created in 1996, and that was the first card banned in it. And then, you know, December 1998 came around, and Toyota Academy and Windfall were banned. Right. Uh, March 1999 was the big one where Dream Halls, Earthcraft, Fluctuator, Lotus Petal, Reoccurring Nightmare, Time Spiral, and Memory Jar. Yeah, we're all added so, at the same time in the standard so band list. Ridiculous. Uh, memory jar was added like before it was printed. If I remember correctly, memory jar was like they like released the set, and then before like and the pre-release happened, but then before the actual set came out, they banned memory jar. And they that's I think like, when they they all got called into the office and like just like you're gonna be fired if this ever happens again. You can't make cards. You can't make cards and then ban them before we sell the cards. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> it was just like, you know, between between ni- December 1998 and March 1999, so like a six-month period, just like standard broke. <laughs> it's so crazy because like, and I know I've said this before, and this is just this is just part of getting old, but like I remember playing Magic so long ago that when, you know, in the mid-2000s, I remember thinking about like the Urza's block and like Mercadian Masks and stuff and being like, oh, you know, that's, that's like the middle. That's, you know, that's like they, a lot of magic stuff had happened that's like, you know, not that old. And now when I think about it and I look back, that's like the infancy. Like magic had barely. It, had only it was, been, it was it six was years five, old. Five, six years old. Yeah. Like it had, they had barely figured anything out yet. Like they were a couple years into actually knowing how to design sets properly, blocks, like that. If it, the kind of, to get put into perspective, the time between Modern Masters 1 and 3. Yeah. Was the time of this existing. It was like right. a six-year – that was a three-year period. I mean, Two if, of those, yeah, If yeah. you basically consider the fact that by the time 4th Edition came out, which is like – they had they had like – 4th Edition would be like they had already ironed out sort of like what was unfair and they had gotten rid of the most powerful stuff. Um, and it was just say revised even because I think revised is kind of there. It's four years between revised and what we're talking about. That's that's the amount of time. That's it, And that's it. That's all that had existed at that point because like before revised, you're dealing with just like the original the original printings of really unfair cards – and it's Scars of Mirrodin, right? That was six years ago? Yeah, at least. So the time between Scars of Mirrodin and now yeah. is the time between Magic Existing and Urza Saga. So that's so that's pretty interesting. And which by the way, guys, like if you are curious at all about that kind of sort of what we're discussing, and I think a lot of you are are and, and have listened to this stuff. I've mentioned before, but uh, on the Magic Cruise a few years ago, it was probably like five years ago now, Aaron Forsythe did this hour-long presentation called Between Ravnica's, where he do- he goes set by set for an hour, basically has like was like a presentation, going through the set with the audience of like, this is how this is what happened in Ravnica, and he goes set by set, and he explains like, this is the wins, these were the giant misses of that set. And he kind of explains like, our philosophy at that time was this, but then it changed with this. It's a fascinating discussion, because you get to literally see it year by year, set by set for 10 years, just about... Um, mm-hmm. And that it was very very cool to uh, to listen to and and uh, yeah I guess it wasn't ten years it was like seven or eight years but uh, anyway just from the point of view of what we're talking about the sort of the development sure. and how things change so so that was pre modern sets those are the sets that existed before modern now we get into you know basically scars of Mirrodin and beyond but eight, eighth edition and beyond and the what's really interesting is obviously Mirrodin, there was like four dark times. And the first one was Mirrodin, and the first card banned was in June 2004, and it was Skull Clamp, which has been banned in every format ever because it literally is a mistake. It like shouldn't exist. Because it it's not a piece of equipment. Yeah, it's a sack outlet that draws you lots of cards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but next, in March 2005, we see the really banned list that actually now affects modern is Arcbound Ravager, Disciple of the Vault, Darksteel Citadel, Ancient Den, 
Great Furnace, Seed of Synod, Tree of Tales, and Vault of Whispers. Now, obviously, the artifact lands, other than Dark Steel Citadel, have been banned since the inception of Modern. Uh, though, isn't it Corey Burkhardt who said that he would be okay if we unbanned those and banned Mox Opal? I think so. Yeah, yeah that sounds um, right. But... On this list, we have three cards that are legal. Arcbound Ravager, Disciple of the Vault, Darksteel Citadel. Two of those have been staples in modern since the inception of the format, Darksteel Citadel and Arcbound Ravager, and one has seen almost zero play, Disciple of the Vault. Yep. Which I think is interesting, because the, the point of today's conversation is really looking at what cards that are legal in modern that have been banned in standard haven't seen play and or are banned and or not. And when you look at these cards, Arcbound Ravager has been a staple of the format forever and it just affinity was a good deck when the format was created and we were talking about mox opal needing to be banned earlier this year you just said that ravager was banned in standard right yeah it was banned yeah, in standard yeah. yeah yeah and disciple of vault the opposite end of the spectrum is just isn't strong enough no, no. and i think that's you know like the somewhat that's a function of what, what existed legally at the time and like what what the card pool was obviously there's sure. much more powerful things surrounding these card combinations now so that if you know disciple Disciple and Ravager are legal together. Even if all the artifact lands were legal, I still don't really think that would define the format. I think Ravager is used in a different way, though I sure. have said before, and I, I've said it a lot of times, I think Ravager is kind of underutilized as a as an engine card in decks that want to create loops. Um, sure, because like, a, like a cra like crank... I never say that. Crank Clan Ironworks? Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, something like that, just because if you think about it, you know... I talk about this a lot, but... I think the you, issue there is just the value on on it doesn't... Like, that the Ironworks works just better in that game plan, even though it's more expensive. Yeah. The mana you generate lets you continue your game plan versus just getting a plus a creature to be big. It is an infinite sack outlet, but there are just other artifact infinite sack outlets that give you a different value option. What I was going to say is it's what's sort of fascinating is if you, if you think about um, what the effects in Magic that you as a player like are, right? So like you, let's just, let's just pretend you were going to make a list. I was going to be like, Alex, what are, what are 10 things that you really like your cards to be able to do, right? And you might say, you might say like, okay, well... I really, really like cheap creatures that have a repeatable activated ability for little to no mana that does damage, right? So I'd be like, all right, so that means like I can play Grim Lava Mancer, and when it was legal, I could play Deathrite Shaman, and you start to go down the list, and you're like, well, that just seems like a really innocuous thing. You realize there's not very many of them that do it. The same can be said, I talked about this last night on 10 Minutes of Modern, Liliana Last Hope. I was saying like her minus ability to self-mill and return something to your hand is a repeatable ability on a decent card, very good card is a pretty rare ability. The fact that that allows you to set up a soft loop, if you do it correctly, means that card is a unique card. And so when you think about it, you look at Arcbound Ravager, it's like, how many cards exist in Modern right now that allow you to sacrifice an artifact for no mana cost, and you can do it repeatedly? Like, that you just can do it. Don't ask me questions. Very, I don't know the answer very, very few. Stuff up. <laughs> so my, my point is, sure. when you think about something like that, in your mind, there's, I don't know how many, 17 or 18,000 magic my cards. My guess off the top of my head is that there are 10. Oh, way less. There, and, and, but if, at any mana cost? There's not like 12 uh, no. drops that let you sack yes. infinite artifacts if at you wanted to? At any mana cost, I'm sure there's at least 10. Right. If under, looking, under three mana, I would, or under four mana, I would say maybe four. Exactly. And yeah. so my point is, that's one of the things that I think just in general people need to do a better job at is thinking about like okay well what are the cards that do this thing i'm talking about and don't just look at arcman ravager and say well that's an affinity aggro card so i can't use it it's like don't even pay attention to the fact that it's a creature it might just be the most efficient option sure. you have to do that with. i mean look at viscerous here one of the reasons viscerous here sees so much play is it's the only one mana can sack any creature for free right 
Like if we had what's the what's the zombie that when you carry and feeder? Right. Ca- yep. If we had carrying feeder, carrying feeder would probably see more play than Viscerseer and would have just been an om- not a, an automatic replace because the decks playing Viscerseer often do take advantage of that scry. But carrying feeder is just a stronger beatdown card. Yeah, carrying feeder um, is really good. Yeah, I would love. To care- we've talked about carrying feeder on a list of like cards we wish were in modern but aren't. Cause yeah, because it would just make zombies a deck. It would just make zombies. Uh, a deck. Is that a problem though? What? That zombies yeah. would be a deck. I would no, love zombies. It would to be, be a awesome. Deck. Yeah, I think yeah. it'd be great. I'd, I would love to see. Yeah, yeah. Legal, so. <laughs> feeder and Gravecrawler sounds sweet. Um, totally. But yeah, so that's that's kind of just looking at whenever you have the ability to do something infinitely. Right. It's very powerful, and Darkman Ravager has that potential. Um, n- now after that, no standard bannings, and that's kind of the point here is that standard bannings are really were really rare, and so you go from March two thousand five. All the way to June 2011, so six years. So that's that's comparable to the beginning of Magic and Urza Saga. Slash, they did a good job. <laughs> uh, well, uh, though, though, let's also call a spade a spade here, which is you just said 2005, right? 2005 to 2011. So New World Order is happened like, in 2005. No, it's later. No, no, sorry, it happened in 2010. Uh, yeah, and the, obviously the inkling to, to to make that decision to change things around was uh, Loro and Shadow yeah. more black. So it was, it was like, like every creature is a lord. So combat math is impossible. So it was like 2008, and that's like that's that's when that stuff with Loran was happening. And so if you think about it, it's Loran was 2009, 2008. Okay, sure. Anyway, my point is, I think if you if you look at that time period, you're talking about where standard was kind of safe. I think it's pretty clear things were there was a, there was a a clear attempt after. Um, probably after Ravnica block and some of the busted stuff that they did in Time Spiral and Shadowmore, or not Time, uh, Shadowmore, uh, Future Sight, to reduce the power level a little bit. And so I think things sure. kept pretty much like under the radar for a while. Well, but in the middle there, you have Time Spiral block and Return to Ravnica that like weren't attempts to lower power level. They were high power levels. And then Shadowmore, if you look at like cards played in Modern, is pretty high. Um, right. So like... New World Order isn't a power level thing. It's a complexity at common for limited. That's right. like kind of a big misconception on New World Order is, oh, they're making the, guess le- the the game more simple. And from a constructed perspective, they're just not at all. What no. it really is is they created Mythic Rare and made it so that rares, uncommon rare and Mythic Rare had more complicated cards, where common cards had specific rules that didn't, like you can't have cards that give all creatures plus one, plus one, or multiple cards that have tap abilities that affect combat because combat in Shadowmore and Lower One Block were so was so difficult just to like figure out exactly what the math is. We always point to Silver Gill Dowser. It's like the ultimate. Right. It's like the <laughs> ultimate. Just like what? Like how do I block? And it just becomes like these stalemates that become really complicated. And so that right. that's all New World Order really is. Yep. The 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 big difference here, and you know we'll we'll look into it is is kind of new cards. Like if you look at what happened with Affinity, you had. A, the mistake of artifact lands, but then you also had the... the uh, Affinity had three issues. You had artifact lands, you had the fact that all the cards were colorless, so that every good card could be in the same deck. Right. And you had the issue that equipment was invented. And it's a new card type, and it's hard to do. And if you notice, we're going to talk three times here about a new card type being invented and it breaking the game. Right. Equipment being the first one, and then now we're here, and equipment did come back. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, equipment followed by Planeswalkers. So right. you have Stoneforge Mystic and Jace the Mind Sculptor banned uh, in 2006, is what I said? No, no, sorry, 2011. No, 2011. And it's kind of a twofold thing. They were banned, or re- they were printed in 2010. They right. were in Worldwake, and it took an entire year for them to be banned when Scars, uh, not Scars of Mirrodin, uh, New Phyrexia came out with Batter Skull being printed. And one of the reasons was 
they've gotten better at looking at what each block was going to do to the next one and making sure cards, like, they wouldn't have printed Stoneforge Mystic if they had thought, oh, next year we're going to Scars of Mirrodin block, and equipment's going to be a big deal. But they were very, very insular on the cards they were printed, so Stoneforge Mystic was printed, and then they decided to complete the sword cycle. Right. So the original sword cycle, you know, in, in original Mirrodin block, there was Sword of Fire and Ice and Sword and Land and Shadow, so they decided to finish the other three enemy colors, starting with Sword and Body of Mind, which saw little play but not really any because it's not... Which is, good. I think, an underrated card. Like, I don't think it's an underrated for a modern card, but I think that card's kind of good. I think people just talk about it like it's trash. Well, it's like, it's t- it, what's interesting is the format that it breaks limited in half. Like, right. it's any person you see with sort of body and mind in a cube is, like, probably making a mistake. Because yeah. <laughs> it just, it wins the game when you play it. Yeah. Uh, and it's all playing Legacy for a while because it's so good against both Tarmogoyf and Jace. And if Tarmogoyf and Jace are the two things you need to get around, yep. sort of body and mind's good. Um, then they followed with Sword of Peace and Famine, and that's when it broke the game that's where cobbley came from then you had the ability for stoneforge mystic to play basically draw go where it would play a spell swing in with a bird untap all your lands and then keep counter magic up because mana leak and ponder were both in the format at this point with so, jace so ridiculous um and then and then finally with sword and war piece but more importantly batter skull which is another right. equipment that was broken they just kind of destroyed everything and and splinter twin was purposely printed into the format you had deceiver exarch and splinter twin come out in that same set so you had like both of these things together and it just made it so the format was degenerate in a way that probably wasn't healthy and so now you've got this the second wave of planeswalkers that have been printed along with them trying to bring back equipment in a way third. what third yeah, okay, so it's the third Jace set. Jace was the third set with Planeswalker. Third wave. Third wave, yeah. So, which I, so the first wave was Baby Jace, which I, I do like the idea that this is no longer the original Jace. Yeah. Uh, Johnny. Goldman, Chandra Nalar, Liliana Vess, and Garrick Wildspeaker. Right. And then and then after that, you had a Johnny Vengeant, uh, Tezzeret the Seeker, Elsbeth, Knight Errant, Nicol Bolas, and uh, Sargon Vol. Yeah. And then and now we're on Zendikar, and you get... Six mana Chandra, that's really good in Commander, and no one understands that, but right. bad in everywhere else. Uh, Sora Markov, Nissa, the elf tribal version of her. Yep. Uh, Gideon, Jace, and Sarkin the Mad. Oh, no. Yes, Sarkin the Mad. Karn's the next So there's the, the, that's the next five. And Jace, yeah. Mind Sculptor, is the middle of that, and they were like, we're going to do four abilities, and it's going to be really cool, and Blue's classic, so let's put Brainstorm on it, and Fate Seal, and Bounce, and just yeah. everything, and just like... <laughs> so okay, so so to to not like uh, you know dilly dally on this subject because we're not really talking about Jace the Mind Sculptor today, and we don't sure. really want to talk about Ravager. But the idea is that these are two cards where they were they got banned in their standard formats, and they're and they're banned in modern, and they've been banned in modern since the inception. Now, not Ravager. Stone no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Stoneforge Mystic, yeah. Mystic and Jace, and Stoneforge Mystic, we've argued countless times on this podcast, is probably safe to some extent to unban or could be. Jace, we have also on the other end said, no way, never, that card should just never be unbanned. Though yep. I've once or twice maybe Thought came close, it. but then just no. So then you look at what the last the last one of these is. And, and we mentioned the three cards, but really what it is is that Smuggler's Copter was a vehicle. So this new type. Yep. Once again, third time a new type of card was printed and it was a problem. And so, you know, this isn't banned in modern though. It's banned in standard. And we've, I don't know how long it's been now, since maybe six months to a year, that I was talking about, in some way, this card's going to start showing up in modern, I promise you. It's going to be a thing, and it's going to catch on. I don't know if it'll be a four of, but it's going to be a thing people start playing. And you, I mean, you didn't disagree with me at no, the time. No. It does a lot of different powerful things. 
But what's interesting is you see where it's starting to show up, and it's that conversation we've had before about things like Amulet Bloom showing up, where it's just like all of these cards existed. It's something about the right person of the right skill level playing them and showcasing them that the world pays attention and starts to acknowledge that they should be played. Sure. Because it's like you can think about a lot of the things that have been good in modern, and you can say like, well, they're good for X, Y, and Z reason. It doesn't die to bolt, whatever. And then you can think of things, some things that are like really, really good that do die to bolt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like people never talk about that. So just because Fatal Push and I mean, all the removal spells pretty much answer a smuggler's copter. Let's talk about the card smuggler's copter and what makes it special and why we think it's going to see more play. Sure. And and before we jump right into it, I do want to so, so get to the final part of that banning history because there's three other four other cards that have been banned in standard over the last yep. year and a half. And that is smuggler's copter, Aetherworks Marvel, which happened later. Uh... Emrakul, the promised end. promised end, and Reflector, Reflector Mage. Mage. And something that's interesting is if you really look back, because you mentioned New World Order and you mentioned that you know new new uh, card types have both been something to look at as something that's caused things to be banned. Yep. And you know we are in the middle of kind of the different versions of standard rotation. <laughs> and set releases that they've been going through and that maybe had something to do with like the reasons they, they were willing to push cards a little bit more because they planned on them rotating faster than they ended up being rotated out. But the other thing to point out is all three of these had super high, and even if you want to go back to Urza Saga, which I know is technically an enchantment block, but had strong artifacts like Talarian, all of them are artifact theme blocks. Right. Like, literally every single time they go to an artifact set, it's like, oh, we have the ban cards. Which it, is not totally surprising, because the, the idea that you could make these cards that are playable with every color, and every, like, it, it means that you have to, your testing has to be so much more drastic than it is if you make, like, a blue card. Cause, uh, right. Well, how do you make a set exciting about artifacts if those artifacts aren't going to see play? But how do you make an artifact see play, but only in specific decks? Right. And... The problem becomes, look at energy, look at Aetherworks Marvel decks. Four different types of decks could play that card, and therefore it was played in everything. If you look at, you know, New Phyrexia block in Modern, like Birthing Pod was in three different types of decks because it really was a colorless card. Yep. So artifacts just in general, especially engine artifact cards, which is where Wizards likes to tend to go with artifacts, can be this problematic situation. So. But now, on to the new card type. And the other, I, w- I do want to go through each of the four cards banned in standard over the last year, since that's the point of this episode. But let's yeah. start with Smuggler's Copter. Well, why don't we end on Smuggler's Copter then? Because I okay. feel like that's the one that has the most interesting conversation sure. for us. All right. So, so then, so let's start with Reflector Mage, because I think that's the one that has, at this point, seen the most play. In modern. In modern. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Reflector Mage represents to me, and its play in modern represents to me, like, uh, a kind oh, of... we missed a card that got banned in standard. Did we? Yeah. Uh, uh, Felder Guardian. Felder Guardian, there's not a whole lot that needs to be said about. It's the well, reason... we'll, we'll go over it. Yeah. But yeah, let's start with Reflector Mage. Reflector Mage to me represents the change in modern we've seen, which is that people are finally back to the point of acknowledging that like, if a creature does something good enough when it enters the battlefield, it doesn't matter if it costs two or if it costs three. It's it's good. That's sure. that's the deal. Like, well, I, I think especially because of Collected Company, as long as it costs three or less, yeah. it's like, great. And <laughs> as long as it does something proactive. That's always been the problem with Geist. It's been the problem with Night of the Reliquary. It's been the problem with Monastery Mentor. Like, all of the three drops that people have wanted to play, that people have tried playing, that sometimes have been good, but usually aren't. It's because when you... Even a card like Gutter Snipe, which is like 
that's a card very near and dear to my heart that I've wanted to make work in modern <laughs> forever. That like no one would ever look at you with a straight face and say like, yeah, if you untap with gutter snipe, I can probably win the next turn. There's probably a deck that exists that I can just win the next turn with that card. But you Storm just don't. If you ban grape shot, which we talked about before. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like the point is, it, there's so many cards. Like gutter snipe exists in this conversation for me because it's such an off the radar card that I just personally like. Versus like Geist, which is like a, an actual good magic card, right? That like people well, are it, playing and winning with right, right. now. Right, and gutter snipe is really comparable to a monastery mentor. Yeah. The like they're both a three drop that when it comes into play. You, to gain value on it, you need to cast another spell. Right. And so, and, and Geist and Knight of the Reliquary are very similar in the sense that they're both three drops that if you untap with them, become these powerhouses. And, and one's more of an engine, one more of a threat. But they're both kind of, they are, they are going to do a lot more damage than you're expecting. There are so many powerful three drops that I yeah. find fascinating. I mean, I talked a lot about Silver for Partisan when it was printed because I thought that card was like a cool opportunity to do something fun. Right. And it's, it is. I mean, you can do cool stuff with all the cards we're talking about. But the point is... Unless they do something when they enter the battlefield, it's difficult to find a place to just put them into a good stuff creature deck, which sure. is kind of what a lot of these decks in Modern are becoming is, and, and that we'll talk about more what that means for the format later, but that's why Reflector Mage is good. Reflector Mage is good because it's obnoxious to play against, and if you're playing it surrounded by other good cards, its ability is totally stifling. Right. Well, it's, 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 it's a two-for-one. You, you get the ability of bouncing a thing and kind of turning it off for a turn and on top of that you get a creature that just gets to sit there and start doing damage it's the reason birthing pod decks were always so good because you every card you played gained you value was a threat and was eventually a combo engine so like attack from three different angles with reflector mage you're getting a threat you're bouncing a spell and you're preventing them from casting spells right so you're getting kind of a three for one almost off of this one card totally um the next card on the ban list, or do you want to keep talking about Reflector Mage? No, I think okay. let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, uh, Emrakul, the Promised End. Yep. Um, this one's interesting to me. I thought I was so high on this card when it came out. I think it's still something to really look at. I think the other Eldrazi turned Tron decks into a very specific direction that made it so Promised End wasn't needed. And I do think that this isn't that much... If you're going to get this into play, the chances are it's probably just as easy to get regular Emrakul into play. Right. Reg regular Emrakul is just going to win the game automatically. Well, this like has a chance to, but this card is backbreaking, and I wouldn't be surprised if in the history of modern moving forward, we don't see this card seeing more play more often. Right. Um, Delirium is something relevant. We're going to talk a lot more about Delirium in a second, so getting it cheaper shouldn't be that difficult in modern. So the question is, the problem is it's also just at best a five drop, I think, is the lowest you can get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, there's seven, or, no, no, no. Seven drop. It's a 13 drop naturally, correct? Yes. And you have your, so you have instant you have sorcery, creature, eight. enchantment, artifact, land. Tribal. Tribal, planeswalker. So that's eight. So you can get it for yeah, five? Yeah, eight. Yeah, because an eight, nine is the largest a Tarmogoyf can be. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, five so, mana. so five mana. Yeah, so that's the cheapest you can get it, and to get all eight of those card types in your graveyard is a challenge. Um, and then you can, you know, put an artifact creature and a tribal enchantment to, to right. speed it along. But, but right now, that I, I can think of five drops in modern are either I win combo cards or they're sideboard cards. Yeah. Like Thrag Tusk sees play, but it only sees play in the sideboard of ramp decks who are using it when burn is around. And I mean, Emrakul is a really sped in Thrag Tusk. But <laughs> what? For a five mana Emrakul is better than a five mana Thrag Tusk. <laughs> totally. But getting it for five mana is rarer. Yes. And, and my, more the point is that a five drop in general is rare and modern. Right. And there's clever ways to do it. I've seen And I would uh, say Emrakul's worse against Burn yeah. than Thragdesk is. 
I've seen people do like the cool like there's there's some cool decks that exist where you can play Emrakul the Promised Maybe. End. But, yeah, yeah, I think it has a chance. Um, the next card is Felder Guardian, and I think Felder Guardian will see play randomly in modern brews that are trying to do yeah. the Sahili Ray game plan. And, totally. And if there's another card that comes out that combos with Felder Guardian or Sahili Ray or does something between the two of them that makes that deck powerful, it'll become a deck and. Just an infinite combo that I win on turn four is I mean, just always going to be a thing. It's a little surprising that hasn't shown up in a top eight and been, you know, or, or made a made a finals of a tournament. Considering the fact that like you have Sahili and Kiki Jiki, and it works with both of them, and it's yeah. Just a- I think the reason is that where Splinter Twin before the Splinter Twin half, the part that did nothing was the part you casted to win on turn four, and the thing you did the turn before was a instant speed, which was a big deal, and yeah. b did something without having the combo piece, like a 2-1 uh, fairy. What's the... Uh, Pestermite. Pestermite was just good. It's just a good beatdown card in a combo deck because you play it on the end of turn and then you just beat down with it while you hold magic, kind of magic up or, right. or removal up. So the fact that neither side of the combo is good by itself, really, right. Felder Guardian's okay. And Sihili Ray is just a like three-mana Planeswalker that dies to a bunch of other planeswalkery things and doesn't really do very much when it's in play. Right. Makes the deck a little bit wonky. But there's other ways to go infinite with it. So like, you know, the su- two Sun Titans in the graveyard game plan where you just go infinite yeah. with... Or two of her and the Sun Titan goes infinite. So like... It's a real shame that Felidar Guardian doesn't cost three. <laughs> is it a shame? <laughs> I, mean, a sh- I think it's a real shame that Felidar Guardian doesn't say only artifact and creatures instead of permanent <laughs> yeah that's true actually i like i find that fellow guardians is permanent i just would be sweet with a sun titan deck if it costs three i think cards should never be banned in standard <laughs> do you think do you think that if fellow guardian costs three it would be, be completely and totally ridiculous in modern like, i think oh in modern maybe it three, they both banned. cost three so it's not like the the curve problem isn't really an issue but you don't like the sun titan deck wouldn't be like a thing if it costs three I think it would cost three. Oh, if it so. was three, the Suntan deck, like, I think that deck could be a thing. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I think yeah. making any card better <laughs> makes the deck more likely to be good. Right. So, but I think just if that card was already a problem for Magic at four. Right. And just at three, it more like aggressive. Splinter Fright sees play. Right. And that's a th- the three drop flying three one version of it. Not I think Splinter Fright. Uh, th- that's uh, Flicker Wisp. Flicker Wisp. Uh, Splinter Fright's a good example I of love what Splinter we were Fright. just talking yeah. about. Yeah. I played that in a modern tournament. I'm sure you have. It was the best. <laughs> it was, uh, what was I doing? It was Vengevine, but I had Unbarrel Rights, Sun Titan, and Splinter Fright in my deck. Were and you I playing get... Ghoul Tree also? And I was playing another Reliquary. No, I wasn't uh, playing Ghoul you Tree. You got so excited. I just, it, it was, we were simultaneously doing it. And yeah. as I said, Ghoul Tree, your eyes got really big. And I thought you actually had played Ghoul Tree in modern. No, no, no. I was going to be shocked. No, I was, I was Sun, I was. Reanimating Sun Titan, getting Knight of the Reliquaries or Splinter Fights into play. Splinter Fights was better because being a trampler is real good when it's a 10 10. Right. Uh, yeah, no, that deck was sweet. I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> so let's wrap, this, let's wrap this one up with the most important card on this list, which is. Oh, no, Aetherworks Marble. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, that's the second most important. I, I'm saving the best two for last. I think Aetherworks Marble of this list. Has the ability to cheat yeah. in 15 mana Emrakul. <laughs> well, yeah, so I, I talked a bit about this. Grizzlebrand. <laughs> Corey and I had a conversation on the show this week about uh, standard cards that would you know transition into modern and, and sort of... We started this conversation, yeah. and um, we talked about Marvel, and he was saying that there was a show-and-tell deck in Legacy recently that placed that was playing Marvel. Um, yeah. And that, like... It's interesting because the design is with with energy is pretty insular. Like there, sure. there's only so much you can do with it. But if you look and you're like, all right, for legacy or for modern, 
what are the eight spots or the 10 spots that I can find to kind of move stuff around where I don't have to play a card that generates energy? Well, okay, your cantrips all get better. Each format, each each format that you sure. get more powerful. So, you know, you go from opt and standard all the way to, you know, ponder and brainstorm and legacy. Well, and, and, and in modern, you get serum visions and you still visions. get opt. I mean, opt is an upgrade yeah. to what was available when Aetherworks Marvel was legal. And your interaction is obviously better in legacy. You know, you can get force of will and things like that. Sure. But the, the point is that like Aetherworks Marvel, it is a real magic card. That's a, that's a real, like a thing you can build around that's powerful yeah. enough. Um, so that's, I would say, I would say if I was looking to build a budget version of a modern deck, Aetherworks Marvel would be a, and like be brewy about it. Aetherworks Marvel would be a really interesting place to start because you get, I mean, maybe it's not budgety because the cards I'm about to list are all expensive, you, but you get <laughs> you get not Notion of the Horde, but the uh, oh Fury of the Horde. If you get Fury of the Horde, well, no, that's what's the one that you get the cheetah thing to play. I always forget through it. the breach. Through the breach, you get through the breach. Aetherworks Marvel and. Uh, Nahiri maybe would be like the three different ways to cheat yeah. things into play. And Problem then, is, what you're cheating into play is not cheap. That's the issue. Emerald is not cheap. So. Oh, oh, to buy budget. Oh yeah. no, no, yeah, I don't think this is a budget deck. Neither is Grizzlebrand. Like those are the two cards I yeah. play that cheat in the play. Right. Um, and I, you know, playing a bunch of energy cards. There are good energy cards. Like one mana one that fixes your mana is decent. The, yeah. The two mana removal spell is good. The you're talking about a tune with Aether, and you're talking about Harness Lightning. Yes. Uh, are are playable? You know, there's there's the um. There's the three drop that makes energy when it comes about. You can tell I don't play standard. Wood, Woodweaver's puzzle knot is that what you're talking about? No, 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 no. There's the three mana the creature. He's a three uh, mana three the, three the that three, draws a card and makes the, the three two. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's blue, green, and one. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a totally fine card to play. We were just talking about when things have entered the battlefield effects yeah. that are abusable. Like I would play that card. So that like great, that card's good. And everything else the deck is doing is like fine, and like you can just play good modern cards beyond that. So there's. You get the land. Like, there's a lot of things you can do with energy that are powerful enough that right. I think make it worth looking at that deck. So, all right. Because cheating an Emrakul into play is really good, guys, especially when you get the cast trigger off of Aetherworks Marvel. Yeah, I would agree that I think it does fit into a Through the Breach style deck. And I've seen some people, you know, with the Anchor conversation, people were posting ideas, and I saw a few people post these lists. And they're a thing. You can yeah. do that. You know, energy in modern is a thing that probably... We're not going to go heavily into that today. Um, but again, all of these, most of these ideas, and this is the wonder of 10 Minutes of Modern, is I can share about a new idea every day. So a lot of these ideas I've actually talked about on the show very recently. But. All right, hipster Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about this before we were talking about this. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm saying if you guys want to hear a few thoughts about like energy and modern or anything like that, you do that. But let's. Uh, so let's Last talk but about not least, let's get Smuggler's into Smuggler's Copter. Copter because which that's is why we're doing this episode. That's kind of the inspiration for it. Well, because. And I think this is the best way for us to do it, right? I think the best way for us to do it... Yeah, I think the best way for us to do this is to really acknowledge for a second that there are different functionalities that this card has that are relevant to what decks in Modern already want to be doing. Well, and, and we talked about last week, we talked about Mardu and Saltai, and both of them, our main question was, these need a two-drop or they need to be focused on Delirium? And so, the first thing, right, the first part of this card that we look at is the fact that it allows you to loot. So what this card does is it, it provides oh, a looting I, I don't effect. even know if I, that, I'd say that's the first thing. I think the first thing you look at is it's an artifact. Well, so we'll go through each yeah, thing. Yeah. So starting with looting. Okay. Okay, so like starting with looting, you think about cards that have been good in modern that have looted, that have been powerful. So Vryn's Prodigy is a card that has been very, very good. People have played that. Uh, loot House. Loot House, Faithless Looting. Uh, you know, there are... Mahiri. No I mean, like there's a bunch of rummaging cards that I've now seen play because just red is... Right. interested in getting things into their graveyard is it charm i mean there's a lot of things people have tried in modern to loot people like to put things into the graveyard so this is an efficient 
part way the, I played the one drop merfolk leveler that loots because it's obviously advantageous to be able to discard things in modern yeah. for any number of reasons whether you're talking about a deck that just wants to put a flashback card like lingering souls whether you're talking about madness whether you're talking about discarding extra lands doesn't matter there's a million different reasons delirium that you want to put cards into your graveyard the graveyard is such an interesting space from a design perspective that wizards has taken advantage of it so many times in magic's past that there are just tons of things to put in there from everything from flashback cards to eternalized cards to um unearth cards to just delirium reasons you know there's avenge vines grave crawlers like there's so many different things to put in a re there's so many reasons to put stuff in your graveyard not to mention just the fact that looting is good because you make your hand better right it's like it's like better scry secondly let's look at the stats it's a three three it's a three three flyer now it has to be activated but when you think about cards that have been good in modern or cards that have been good in eternal formats three is the baseline of power for an evasion creature that you're that is like so, for instance, like Vendillion Click's a great example where it's like if Vendillion Click was a 2 1, it'd be good. It wouldn't be good enough. People mm -hmm. would not have played Vendillion Click if it was a 2 1. It, sure. it would still be powerful. It would still be a threat and it would still have a great ability, but it wouldn't be considered a finisher because obviously seven hits from a 3 1 kills you. You have to hit 10 times with a 2 1. So it's, the math is completely different. So the fact that this is a 3 3 as opposed to a 2 3 or a 2 2 or a 2 1 is everything. It, it actually functions as a, as a realistic threat, a realistic finisher you can play in any number of decks. Things for two mana. Like, if you look at, you know, Splinter Fright. <laughs> yeah, Splinter Fright. Uh, also known as Flicker Wisp. <laughs> uh, and Vendillion Click and other cards, like, the, they're three mana three ones. Yeah. And this is a two mana three three. So it's an upgrade kind of on both directions. Yes, it's not a creature, but that makes it better with board wipes. So, like, if you look at what we were talking about last week also with Esper, you know, generally Esper decks want board wipes, and so this can play along with that fact. So it does a lot of these different things that it should be powerful. It's, it's evasive body and the size of it is on par with a lot of things that I already see play in modern and are already good. Mm hmm Next up, you have, what are you activating the card with? Well, we already mentioned Lingering Souls. The big, for me, the big aha moment when I thought about this the other day was we're asking this question about Mardu and, and Esper and all these decks, and like, what's the two-drop these decks are missing? Well, how can you look at a deck that's playing four copies of Lingering Souls almost as a prerequisite and not say Smuggler's Copter is the two-drop? Because the idea of playing a Copter on turn two, your opponent will not be able to remove that card unless they have a very, very, very specific piece of removal. Yeah, the play, the play of Thoughtseize into... Copter into Lingering Souls seems like a bonkers thing to be doing. Seems like unbeatable, especially <laughs> right. considering like if you have another copy of Souls in hand, that's what you're discarding. It's because like you cast Souls, so you cast Lingering Souls, activate your Copter, and in the in the off chance you haven't thought seized or your opponent has abrupt decay or they have whatever they need to get rid of it, fine. You didn't do anything. You you literally cast a two drop. How often does your Tarmogoyf get Path to Exiled? How often does your Dark Confidant get Lightning Bolted? All the time. That's right. modern. You haven't lost anything. All you've done is play your 2-drop, which, mind you, is colorless, so you're going to be able to cast it on turn 2 pretty much no matter what lands you draw. Right, and I think one of the reasons this card had earlier in its existence in the format was that Lightning Bolt was a more play card. Not that Lightning Bolt is bad right now, or it's not saying play, because it definitely still is one of the most played cards in the format, but... The fact that it matches up so well against cards like Path to Exile, when that is now the most played removal spell in the format, and Fatal Push obviously removes it, Lightning Bolt removes it, but both of those cards are bad against Lingering Souls and other things that decks that would be playing this theoretically would be good at. So it, it definitely lines up really well in the space right now in a way that I think is really interesting. Yeah, big time. Plus uh, it's good with Grand Architect. 
It's well, that's we haven't even gone there. Yet. <laughs> we haven't gone there yet. I mean, that was originally that was my contention was that was that this card would be good in an architect deck, which I still think is true. Well, I think it's in it's in Zach Elsick's yeah. uh, uh, Grand Architect deck that he's been playing around for the last year. People have been playing this card, so we're talking about this card in like a new way. Um, and let's finish the stats before we move on to sort of where it actually is right now and where we think it's going. Are you the most important one that it's an artifact? Uh, yeah, I think, okay. I think that is important. So, so, so go ahead. So Grand Architect is yep. obviously the one that we started with here, but more importantly. The other place I see this doing well in is decks that are trying to turn Delirium on because it plays so well with, A, the discard effect lets you discard things, but also it's an artifact. So, you know, Delirium decks are just looking for a spread of different factors that make them turn on Delirium. So, like, even, like, I've looked at um, Blitter Blossom just because it's a tribal enchantment. So by putting that in your graveyard, you've basically turned on Delirium as long as you've cast a spell and fetched. So, like, looking at different card types that do interesting things that way is something those decks are looking for, and this does that on two different axes. Can I ask you how much better would you do you think Bitter Blossom would have been if it made a 1-1 when it came into play? Exact same card, it just made a 1-1 when it entered. I think Bitter Blossom is too strong already. <laughs> I mean, obviously a modern it doesn't see a ton of play, but you're like talking about a card that was banned for the first two years and broke standard. So why make it better? <laughs> no, no, I agreed. I'm just... so. Okay. I, think it, I think it would be significantly better if it made a 1-1 on turn one. Yeah. But like... How much better would Emrakul be if it had haste and yeah, it was right. at twenty twenty? Yeah, yeah. Like, I was just thinking about this in the context of what we're talking about, but uh, yeah. So, so it is an artifact. It's playable in every color and every no matter what you're doing. And the last thing we're, we we've made reference to, but like what is very important about this card is that it's a two drop. It costs on curve. It fits along with all of the two drops we've been mentioning. So, so if we haven't made it abundantly clear. Alex and I have been talking about this card as basically the two drop that we think we've been looking for. This might be it. And we might just have been overlooking it, and people may just not have been playing this card with the same level of aggression they should be. Sure, it's not as like it's not as good as Tarmogoyf or Dark Confidant or Snapcaster Mage just as a general pound for pound two drop. But Snapcaster Mage requires you to have things in the graveyard. Okay? Tarmogoyf requires your graveyard to exist. Like Dark Confidant makes you build a deck that doesn't play lots and lots of cards with higher CMC. Every single one of these cards has stipulations to make it good. So my, my question on that is, is swinging with a 3-3 flyer on turn 3 while getting rid of a blocker in the process off of two cards not strong enough? Like, I, I want I play the, the devil's advocate game here in the sense that why hasn't this seen play? In a world where things are so fast or so linear, a fair deck just trying to make copter work when most fair decks have kind of gone the wayside or and now death shadow decks should you just be playing death shadow over this card uh i don't think so and i think the reason is because i think what you're getting off of what you're getting for the for the power is so great and i and i think for me the big one is that i think you have to play lingering souls with this card right and yeah i think the other end of it on your side is just you need to be using it as an engine card more than just a generically good threat your card, your deck has to sort of want this card to be drawn and played on turn two every game. Now it has to be okay if you don't, but you have to be able to look at your game plan and say that if I if I resolve this on turn two, I'm playing more of like a like a Delver style tempo deck uh, that's more tap out than it is reactive. But that's what the point of it is, right? Because the whole idea is that it's not a creature when you play it. So your opponent's going to have to have the right kind of removal right away. Or you're going to be set up to take advantage of the fact that they don't have it by the time you activate it. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, obviously, most of the listeners of the show have probably played a lot more Spungler Copters than I have because I don't play standard. Uh, and this card hasn't been a modern staple, so I've mostly watched this card be played. I've played it a little bit myself. 
but I do believe that there's space to explore with this card we haven't explored. And I don't think it's like marginal. I think it's a lot. So, so where is this card showing up right now? It's showing up as a one of or a two of, usually as the extra card, card 37, card 38, card 39, card 40 in decks like Merfolk. Uh, it's showing up as a one of or a two of because people want to have that extra threat to kind of, you know, get get through it over the top. But I don't know that that's like I think that that's people assigning this card in in, in the wrong space. Like I guess my point is, how many other cards could you be playing as card thirty eight, thirty nine, or forty that are supposed to be like your flex slots in decks like Merfolk? It's like a different card every week. I don't think that Smuggler's Copter is the card. Like I think people are misassigning it. I think I think the idea is build your deck so that you want this card on turn two every game, and your deck will be much better. Well, but I think I think. When evaluating power level, a card that can just be a throwaway card in random decks is something to look at in a broader context based on the other pieces of pedigree this card has. It's a two-mana card. Right. It was banned in standard. It's an artifact, so it can go in any deck. So when you look at those three factors, the fact that it's just being thrown in the Merfolk and it's just good enough to just be a random card that's not even on game plan. Like, Merfolk is just using it because it's an evasive thing that it can get them into nor cards they might need, and it takes their, like... uh, um, curse catchers and makes them a little bit more of a threat by like strapping it on without having this waste man on it. And so with that, in, I mean, in reality, the moral of the story is that copter has a lot of really strong things going for it. It has versatility in it because of its colorlessness. So it can see play in a multitude of decks as we're seeing with Merfolk, as we're seeing with these other decks kind of throwing it in, it has specific benefits because it turns on graveyard strategies it turns on delirium in specific ways it turns on looting effects so it lets you get stuff that you're on your hand that you don't want and it's a threat that turns one ones that you have available to you into three three flyers and so there's just a multitude of places that i can imagine this seeing play and because it's colorless it can see play anywhere any deck ever created can theoretically play this though decks that don't have one ones in them seem like a bad idea because you can't turn it on or, or at least creatures in them. So you, it really just needs to find a correct home. And the decks that we talked about last week, Esper, Mardu, and um, Saltai, all were discussing benefits that this turns on. Saltai, or sorry, Mar- Mardu and Esper both want to get Lingering Souls in their graveyard. They are both decks that have game plans, unless you're doing the Planeswalker side, that benefit from having this loot effect attached to them because of Lingering Souls. And... On top of that, you look at what Saltai is doing, and we were talking about Delirium is what is probably the best thing that this could be doing. The fact that it gets Traverse the Uvenwall, the fact that it has Grim Flare, the fact that it has the blue cards and then mill yourself off of, like, Thought Scour makes it so... And Snapcaster Mage is benefiting from all those cards in your graveyard, then let's Copter itself benefit from being in that deck because of the artifact status, because it's a loot effect, because it gets turned on by Snapcaster Mage being a 2-1 that then t- taps to turn it on, or any other 1-1 you have in your deck that you want to maybe make work. So I think there's a lot of potential there, and that it's just a first place I would start. I think that's fair. I've, I'm trying to figure out, is there a one-drop that exists in Modern that allows you to give Copter haste when it enters the battlefield on turn 2? Is that a thing that exists? A one-drop creature that can, like, tap... No. You don't think so? I'll bet you there's at least one card. It's just, like, probably not You think good. there's a one-mana creature that can give Another other, creature things, haste? other creatures haste? It's probably one that, like, taps... I don't think so. Bloodlust Insider. One red, one one, human warrior, tap target creature, gains haste, till end of turn. And modern? 
Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to because it costs one red to tap it, right? No, because you have to tap it. So you would you can't tap it to give haste and crew. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah, so that doesn't work. Mm. I want to be able to attack on turn two with Smuggler's Copter. I don't think that's just a thing. But I think that's fine. I don't. Once again, <laughs> this is the fourth time you've like, how do I make this card that was so good they had to ban it in standard and is probably a problematic card at the beginning? It was a mistake. Stronger. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm trying to. It's if you can figure that one out, then the card becomes unbeatable. Anyway. Felgar Guardian. Let's make it one mana cheaper. <laughs> Bitter Blossom. Let's make it have come in with the creature wall and you cast it. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation for the day uh, of what cards that have been banned in standard or very good in standard can do for the modern format. I uh, hope you enjoyed our history yep. of the bannings in standard. Uh, do shout-outs. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the MMCast. I'm at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. Make sure to check out the Facebook group. Make sure to check out the Patreon. Make sure to check out the Anchor Station so you can get consistent content every day. Two, and two. free magic cards, guys. Last shout on that. Just download Anchor.fm. If we get a few hundred, let's say with 200 of you listening to the show right now, 200 people listening right now, just pulled out your phone, downloaded Anchor.fm, and favorited the station, 10 Minutes of Modern. If you guys did that, it would it would get us to the point that I can start giving away a foil Dark Confidant, and I can give away foil Far Lands, and right. I can give away fetches, and all these things. I have a whole shopping list queued up to buy to just start giving away. So do that. And uh, last but not least, Alex, uh, give us the give us the couple-minute elevator pitch on Super Party Battle. So yeah, so we're going to talk about it next week in full detail, but... Super Party Battle is basically, it's like a Magic the Gathering game that was simple down so that you could play it while uh, possibly inebriated, though it is made so you do not have to be uh, drinking anything to play. There's no words drinking in the game, but it is a party game where you are pl- trying to recruit campuses, kind of if you've ever played Type 4 Magic, or also known as the stack, where you basically each player has unlimited mana, but you get to cast one thing a turn. It plays like that, so you get all these spells you get to play, uh, and you're recruiting different camp kids on campus you you try to take over different classes to kind of invade and throw the party in, in different classrooms uh and then when you cast classes they're like spells and um plays very similar in that way but really more than anything if you guys could go check it out on thinkgeek.com if you you don't you can't afford it right now you don't want to buy it if, i would love if you could comment on their page or just share it and tell other people kind of about it uh the build awareness on it and the next week we'll kind of do a full build on it, how to play what's in the game how it was created we'll have one of the the main developers on the game come on uh, the podcast as well and go through that kind of whole process and and it, as alex said if you want to buy it great we'd love that if you don't and you're just like you know what i can't afford it to, to spend money on another game but let's pretend that you are somebody you're maybe a youtuber or you're somebody who makes content or you just are interested in getting into that we're more than happy if you want to contact us through the twitter or through the facebook to send out a couple promo copies of this game if you would want to do an unboxing video or you'd want to do a gameplay video or you'd want to just literally do anything any kind of promotion, guys, you are our community. You are our community that loves what we talk about, and we love your interaction, and you obviously know our sensibilities and what we like. So if you want to do something fun with Super Party Battle, if you have an idea, let us know. That's like the, that's the kind of thing that we would gladly – Alex will sign the box. We'll send it out to you. We'll tr- you know work with you. We want to just get the word out on this game. So Yeah, and, and just, just hype is great. And hype is great. And we appreciate it. And beyond that, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Totally. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.